Well, good morning, Cedar Creek. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you joining us today, whether you're at one of our campuses or just watching online. I tell you, thank you. Thank you for being a part of the few, the proud, the spring forward Sunday crowd. Thank you for being here after losing an hour of sleep last night. I really, really appreciate that. I, I want to begin our time together this morning with a question. You ready? Here's the question. What do you think of when you hear the word evangelism? What are the images that come to your mind? Well, it probably depends on your experiences, your, your journey in life. Maybe for some of you, when you hear the word evangelism, you think of huge stadiums, right? Filled with thousands of people and a, a powerful and persuasive preacher inviting people to come down to the front and to give their lives to Jesus. Or maybe for some of you, that word has a more negative connotation. You think of an angry guy on the street corner with a bullhorn and a, a sign who confronts complete strangers with their sin. Or maybe evangelism, you think of people who walk around in the neighborhood on Saturday morning and knock on doors and hand out pamphlets that tell people, you know, the four happy hops to get to heaven. I don't know what your idea of evangelism is, and hear my heart, I'm not saying that the people who do those kinds of things are bad or they're wrong. I'm just saying for most of us, doing things like that feel very unnatural and uncomfortable for us. It, it just doesn't really fit with the way that we are wired. I believe that's why the overwhelming vast majority of Christ followers that I talk to Whenever this subject of evangelism, of sharing your faith or telling others about Jesus, anytime that topic comes up, there's always sort of a tension and an overwhelming feeling of guilt, right? It's like, I know I'm supposed to be telling others about Jesus. I'm supposed to be sharing my faith, but I just can't seem to figure out how to do it without it feeling weird and awkward but what if there was a way what if there was a way that you could share your faith in Jesus as a natural part of the rhythm of your daily life would that interest you would that be helpful in your faith journey because if your answer to that question is yes you've come to the right place because for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about how you can be a reacher without having to be a preacher, right? How you can share your faith in the natural rhythm of your relationships and your conversations. And I would say not only can you share your faith that way, but I would say it just might be the most effective way to share your faith in Jesus. And the reason I say that is because Peter, the apostle Peter, 
one of the greatest evangelists of all times, tells us that that's how we can share our faith. In fact, notice what he says. 1 Peter 3.15, it's there on the top of your outline. Peter says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But, he says, do this with gentleness and respect. Couple things I want you to notice in that passage there. First, Peter says it begins with your relationship with Jesus. Revere Christ Jesus as Lord. Which makes sense when you think about it, right? You can't share your faith in Jesus unless you have an authentic faith in Jesus. You can't give away what you don't have. Now, I recognize that, that some of you are here this morning, you are not a Christ follower. You're just kind of exploring this whole church thing, this whole Jesus thing. And if that's you, whatever campus or whether you're watching online, I want you to know that I am thrilled that you're here and doing that. In fact, I would say Cedar Creek Church is a great place to explore the claims of Christ and what a life of faith looks like. It is a church designed for that. So that you can come and not be condemned and judged, but you can simply come and rub shoulders with Christ's followers to see what this thing is all about. So you got to have a relationship with Christ to share that faith in Christ with others, to reach out to others. But I would also say the quality of your relationship with Jesus will have a huge impact on the effectiveness of your reaching others for Jesus. The more intimate, the more authentic, the more real your relationship with Jesus is, the more it's going to come out of your life. So Peter says, first, you got to revere Christ as Lord. But the second thing he tells us is that sharing our faith in Jesus requires a relational connection with those who don't. Right? How else could people ask you about the hope you have if they're not spending enough time with you to recognize that hope within you. So you got to relationally connect. And then lastly, what Peter says is you got to do it with gentleness and respect. What's he saying? He's saying reaching others with the gospel of Jesus is not about arguing about religion or even theological beliefs you got to care about people no matter where they are in their faith journey. Whether they ever respond to Jesus or not, you have to care, respect those people. That's what it means to be a reacher without having to be a preacher. And so this morning, here's what I want to do. I want to kick off this series by looking at some basic things you have to do to be a reacher. And then next week, we're going to get into the details of how do you bring Jesus and your faith in Jesus into conversations and relationships in a way that doesn't seem weird or awkward. How do you build these, these conversations into the natural rhythm? And then on the third week, the last week of this series, we're going to wrap it all up talking about how to make this a, not an event, 
but a lifestyle of being a reacher. So that's where we're going. Now today, let's just talk about some basics. Three things you have to do to be a reacher. Number one, you have to be willing and available. Willing and available. Notice I didn't say willing and able. I said willing and available. Because see, God has a way of working in and through our lives, not based on our qualifications, but on our willingness to be available. The last several weeks, we've talked or watched the news or heard story after story of the life of Dr. Billy Graham. His passing several weeks ago has been all in the news and all the stories and documentaries, part of our conversation. Dr. Billy Graham is by far the greatest evangelist of the 20th century. In fact, Dr. Graham shared the gospel face to face with more people than any other person in all of human history. Why? Why was he such an effective reacher? How was God able to do so much through this simple son of a North Carolina dairy farmer? Is it because of his talent, his education, his abilities, his skill set, his charisma? I would say no. I would say the reason God was able to reach so many through Dr. Billy Graham was that as a young man in college, in a moment of crisis in his own faith, when he encountered in the academic world for the first time in his life, people who challenged what the Bible taught challenged him to really wonder, is this truly all the Word of God? And I'm sure he'd never experienced anything like that growing up in a simple country Christian home. But one night at a camp in the mountains of San Bernardino, California, Dr. Graham walked out by himself into the woods, laid his Bible open on a stump, and said, God, I don't understand everything in here. I cannot explain everything in here. But I will choose by faith to believe this is your word. And I will spend the rest of my life sharing this truth with whoever will listen. Willing and available. Another great example from the Old Testament, Isaiah the Old Testament prophet that God spoke through to reach an entire nation. Why? Because Isaiah was all that in a bag of chips? No, because of what he said here in this verse, Isaiah 6, 8. Isaiah says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Have you said that? Have you made yourself available to be used by God? Because the first step in being used by God is believing that God can use you to reach others. That God can use you to reach that neighbor, that co-worker, that person that serves you in the restaurant and checks you out at Walmart. See, one of the biggest barriers to sharing our faith and sharing Jesus with others 
is thinking that it depends on us. Like, I got to get my act together. I got to do more studying so that I can answer any of the questions they have about God or the Bible. Let me tell you something. Nothing could be further from the truth. Sharing the good news of Jesus is less about the quality of the messenger and more about the power of the message. Let me say that again. Sharing the good news of Jesus is less about the quality of the messenger and more about the power of the message. Notice what the Apostle Paul, another great evangelist, writes. Romans chapter 10, verse 15. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now listen, I don't know about you, but when I think about my feet, beautiful is not the first adjective that comes to mind. Stinky, smelly, ugly, those are the things I think of. What does Paul say? What does he mean? Beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. What Paul is saying is that when you bring the message of good news, even the worst of you is beautiful to the person who's hearing that good news. Let me ask you something. How many of you came to Cedar Creek Church the first time because someone invited you? Let me see your hands. Just raise them up, hold them up. Yeah, that's like 80 percent of us and let me ask you this has being a part of this church had a positive impact on your life are you glad that person invited you I hope so but let me ask you this the person who invited you were they perfect did they have their act together were they able to answer every question you had about God and the Bible no they were just willing and available they were willing to let God use them. I don't know if you've checked the calendar or not. Easter is three weeks away. Like it snuck up on me. It's like three weeks until Easter. That means over the next three weeks, Jesus will be the topic within our culture. Right? Because this time of year, all the Jesus movies start showing up on cable TV. You know, Passion of the Christ, greatest story ever told. Nat Geo and the Learning Channel will start showing all the uh, documentaries about Jesus and his resurrection and his crucifixion. It will be the topic of conversation. It is a great opportunity for us as Christ followers to leverage that to have conversations. Or at the very least, invite somebody who doesn't know Jesus to come and be a part of church on Easter Sunday morning. Because 82% of non-believers, these are non-believers, 82% said they would love to go to church on Easter Sunday if someone invited them. If someone took the time to invite It's just part of what you do. It's part of the culture here in our country. So here's all I'm asking. Would you open yourself up to the possibility that God just may want to use you? To reach somebody who's far from God and desperately in need of hope and healing and forgiveness. You got to be willing and available. But that's not all. There's a second thing you have to do to be a reacher, and that is you got to be aware of people around you. You got to be aware of people around you 
to reach people around you. Now, I know you're thinking, thank you, Captain Obvious. But the reason I'm saying that is because the truth is our tendency is to hang out in our circles of comfort, right? We like to be around people who think like us, believe like us, and live like us. That is a natural human tendency. In fact, that's why when folks immigrate from another country and another culture into America, they tend to congregate and live in the same neighborhoods. Right? You can go to almost any major city in America and find clusters and communities of people who come from the same cultures. Right? That's how you got Little Italy's and Little Havana and Chinatown, because we just like to be with people like us. And I'm just saying, we as Christ followers do the same thing. We like to spend time with people who think like us, believe like us, and live like us. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, the Bible says gathering with other believers is a critical part of growing in our faith journey. That's why we have corporate worship together on Sunday mornings. That's why we gather in small groups, in homes, throughout the community to be around other believers, to help and encourage and walk with each other. But if we never lift up our eyes, if we never look outside of our holy huddles and walk across the differences of people who are different from us, we will never be able to reach them we cannot sit back and just hope they will come into our churches or our small groups we have to go where they are i love what jesus says this is from matthew 5 this is part of jesus sermon on the mount the greatest sermon ever preached and look at what jesus says about us his followers this is your purpose in life look at what jesus says you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. What does Jesus mean? What is he saying? Two things. One, he's saying as his followers, we got to be different. The only value in salt is that it tastes different than the food you're putting it on, right? If salt tasted just like the food you were putting it on, you might as well just sprinkle sand on it for all the good it's going to do. Jesus is saying we got to be different. To reach the world, we got to be different than the world. And being different than the world doesn't mean saying my religion is better than yours or what I believe is true and what you believe is false. Being different is sticking out in a world that is empty of joy and purpose and letting the joy of Jesus flow out of our lives. To be different than the world in a way that is attractional to the world. Where people will say, there's something unique. There's something salty in a good way about that person and I want to know. you got to be different. But Jesus also says you got to shine beyond your own circle. you got to be like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. The greatest impact that light has is not when it's gathered with a bunch of other lights. The greatest impact of light is when it bumps up against the darkness. 
You could take a huge 1,000-watt light bulb, put it in this room with all this other light, and it would not be, make much of a difference. But you can take the tiniest little light in a room full of darkness, and it will change everything. We have to go into the darkness. It's kind of the same with salt, right? Salt can't share saltiness with other grains of salt. It has to be poured out of the shaker in order to do what it was created to do. See, to be a reacher, we have to get out of our comfort zone to connect with and care about people who are outside of the faith. See, here's the truth. We wouldn't want to admit this, but it's the truth about me. You guys are way more spiritual than I am. But when we walk, when I walk, I won't talk about you because I don't know for sure. I'm just saying, when I walk into a room full of people, my first thought is, what are they thinking or saying about me? Right? How am I being received by these people? But what Jesus is saying is to be a reacher when you walk into a room full of people, you don't care what they think about you. You're just looking for the loneliest person. You're looking to see how can I help them. Who's outside? Who's hurting? Who needs Jesus? One of the most powerful prayers you could ever pray is to ask God to give you his eyes. To see the people around you in the way that he sees them. you got to be willing and available. we got to get outside of our comfort zone. But then there's a third thing. And maybe the most important thing is i got to let God lead me. I have to let God lead me. It's not just about looking around to see who needs Jesus. It's about letting God lead me to the right person at the right time. Because sharing your faith is all about connecting with the right person at the right time. In fact, I believe so many of the negative evangelism experiences we have, both as a reacher and a reachee, is that we try to do this on our own. We come up with our own plan, our own strategy, and we don't let God lead us. Listen, reaching others with the gospel of Jesus was never meant to be a religious task. For us to check the box off. It was always meant to be a natural part of our daily faith journey. That's why when Jesus tells us as his followers with the great commission. He says go and make disciples of all nations. The verb in the Greek. Which by the way the Greek is the language the New Testament was written in. The tense of that verb go and make disciples. Literally means as you go. In your life. As you are going, reach and make disciples. Great example of this. Letting God lead you. Takes place with the early church. You know, 2,000 years ago, the first church started in Jerusalem with Jesus' followers following his death and resurrection and return to heaven. So they started this church in Jerusalem and guess what? The church was 100% Jewish. It was an entirely Jewish church. Jesus was Jewish. All of his followers were Jewish. And so when Jesus said, go and make disciples, guess who they went to? 
other Jews, right, within their comfort zone. But God's love is way too big for one culture, one people group. So God started moving in the hearts of some of the leaders in the church, Peter being one of them, that God's message of hope was for the Gentile, the non-Jew as well. Now that's a big comfort zone issue for Peter. Because for a Jew, Gentiles were not just people who didn't believe or think like him, but they were considered unclean. You don't hang out with Gentiles. In fact, if you hang out with Gentiles, you will become unclean. So we're not going to reach out to Gentiles, but God started moving in Peter's heart, started sending dreams of what was clean and what was unclean. And in the middle of Peter wrestling with this issue of taking the gospel to non-Jews, guess what happens? He's up on the roof, there's a knock at the door, he opens the door, and it's a handful of Gentile men saying, our Gentile boss wants you to come to his house. And notice Peter's reaction, Acts eleven twelve. Peter said, the Holy Spirit told me to go with them and not to worry that they were Gentiles. See, what caused Peter to leave his comfort zone? He was being led by the Holy Spirit. Peter didn't wake up one day and go, you know what? We need to start a movement to reach the Gentiles. We need to start some kind of program to reach the Gentiles. He was just simply led by the Holy Spirit. Now I know for those of you who are new to church or new to the Bible, this idea of being led by a spirit within you sounds weird. It sounds a little psychic friends network. Like, like you know, a spirit is speaking to me. What does that mean? Well, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in us when we become a believer. That God places His Spirit, His power and His presence within us to lead God and direct us through our lives. And so Peter's being led, he's being nudged by God. And so he goes to this Gentile house and guess what? He arrives and discovers God's already been working in that house long before he got there. See, I'm sure Peter's headed down and going, well, I guess I better think of what kind of questions are Gentiles going to ask, right? Or, you know, what's the cultural issue? What are all the things I need to do to reach these Gentiles? He gets there, and the guy said, the Lord told me to send for you because you could tell me how to be saved. Boom. See, that's what happens when you're led by God. God leads you to places where he's already been working another great example happens to be with the greatest disciple of jesus ever the disciple philip although he spells his name wrong not enough l's but i'll talk to him in heaven when i get there tell him about that but philip's just minding his own business and god shows up and says i want you to go walk on the desert road philip's like what the desert road was not like this place where people just liked to hang out and where there were a lot of businesses. The desert road was literally a road that ran from Jerusalem down to Gaza. And the only reason you went on the desert road is if you were going from one place to the other. And I'm sure Philip was like, why would I go down and just walk on this road? But he let God lead him. And he's walking on the road and I'm sure he's thinking, what am I doing out here? And then all of a sudden, a carriage starts coming down the road. And it's not just any old carriage. It is the carriage of an Ethiopian government official. 
And then the Holy Spirit says to Philip, go over and walk by that carriage. And he gets over there, and guess what's happening? This Ethiopian government official is reading the Bible. He's reading from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And guess what he's reading? Isaiah's prophecy that one will come and be led like a lamb to slaughter. It's the prophecy of Jesus. I mean, talk about having it served up on a tea for you. And I love what Philip does. Acts 8, verse 30 and 31. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? And the man, the government official, replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And then check this out. Then he, the Ethiopian, urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. See, did you catch that? This is not Peter running up to the carriage and go, look, you Ethiopian heathen, stop this carriage, stop your sinful life, let me drag you out of here, take you down to the river, baptize you, and clean up your sin. This is simply Philip walking through a door that God had opened. And I believe the more you allow God to lead you, not only will you find these opportunities to share Jesus with others easier, you will find them more effective and that church is the heart of this series about us being intentional about leaving our comfort zones walking across the street across the office walking across racial cultural and economic barriers to share the hope of Jesus with anyone that God brings into our life I'm going to close this morning with this last verse the bottom of your outline says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Church, I believe God has called every one of us to be that someone for somebody. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for reminding us today that our mission has a name. This mission we've been called to has a face and a story. And that you are moving in their lives and you're inviting us to be a part of bringing that hope to the broken and hopeless. So God, would you help us be faithful would you help us commit to being open and available? Would you help us be willing to look outside ourselves and our circles and truly see the people around us? And then God, would you lead us to those who are desperate for you? In Jesus' name, amen.